Well, happy Mother's Day. I hope you enjoyed that video. Uh, <laughs> sometimes moms need a little time out. So I hope you get some of that today. After service is over, I hope you have a great lunch and a great time to, to recharge. Well, today I want to talk to you not necessarily about a Mother's Day message, but just a message about the faith of a godly woman. <clears throat> this morning we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament about a lady named Hannah who had an overcoming faith. What I want to look at today is how we can have that same kind of faith in our lives, that overcoming faith modeled by a godly woman in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, if you have the Version Bible app, you can go to the Events tab. It's on there as well. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to read a little bit, of, a little chunk of Scripture here today that kind of talks about Hannah. Now, Hannah was in an unusual situation, and we'll see here in a second, what it is and what God did in her life and how we can model that in our life. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was a son of Jer- Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, son of Ephraim. Aren't you glad you don't have those names today? Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Pananiah. Now, there's your first problem. He had two wives. Uh, <clears throat> Pananiah had children, but Hannah didn't. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented a sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Benaniah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle, and each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and wouldn't even eat. So why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? So we'll stop there for a moment. We see that the ladies, men, when we have faith, even if we have overcoming faith, we still have problems. Even overcoming faith still has problems. We encounter problems in our lives. We see here that Hannah had a couple problems. She had a couple of big problems, a couple of irritating problems, but, we, but she had problems. So we see that she had trouble in her family. Now, we see the first major problem here is that her husband had two wives. It also means he had two mothers-in-law. So think about that for a minute. I love my mother-in-law. Uh, we lost her last year. She'd always tease me and said, hey, you're my favorite son-in-law. I was her only son-in-law, but I always tease her. She was my favorite mother-in-law because I just had one. Uh, and that's the way God designed it. God knew he loved us so much he didn't want us to have two wives. Because what happens when we have two spouses is there's always what? Competition. And we see here there was competition in these ladies. And it wasn't healthy for anyone. So this is why God says we shouldn't have to share affection with one another. And we see that his, her husband's wife, the mother of her kids, you should never have to say that, right? But the mother of his kids would taunt her. She would irritate her. It says she continually irritated her and made fun of her. Life was difficult for Hannah. Life was complicated in this season in her life. And we see that her husband was a fixer. In verse 8, he says, why are you crying? Aren't I better than 10 kids? Now, some of you ladies are thinking, you know, if my husband said that to me, he'd probably be making an unscheduled hospital visit after that. Um, but he was trying to fix the problems. We see that there were issues going on in that situation. So her husband, um, he was trying, but he was trying to share affection between two ladies. So her family life was a problem. Let's just say that her family life was complicated. 
There's a story of a lady who uh, was mowing the yard and the lawnmower broke. It wouldn't stay running, and her husband wouldn't fix it. She kept leaving hints and leaving hints, trying to get him to fix this lawnmower. And so finally one day she said, I'll do a little visual illustration. So when her husband came home from work, she was out in the yard with a pair of sewing scissors cutting the grass. She thought maybe that would be a hint. Her husband went in the house, and he came back out with a toothbrush. And he said, honey, after you're done mowing the yard, you should sweep the driveway. And they said after he got out of the hospital, he'd be able to walk, but it would be a long time. So we see that her husband wasn't really picking up on the clues. And Hannah's problem at home was that her husband wasn't quite understanding what was going on. He was sharing affection between two ladies. So her life was hard. And her second problem, an even bigger problem, was that she was unable to conceive. Hannah couldn't have kids. And in this time in the Old Testament, not being able to have kids, being barren, was considered a sign of being cursed. It was a sign of God's displeasure in your life. And we know that that's not true. But at that time, that's what was believed. And we all know that sometimes what's believed is what's reality in our lives. So she wasn't able to have kids. And she joins a long line of women in Scripture who weren't able to have kids. We see that Sarah, Abraham's wife, wasn't able to have kids at the beginning of their life. It wasn't until she was, some believe, 100 years old that she had a kid. Think about that. Uh, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, couldn't have children. Rachel, Jacob's wife, couldn't have children. Ruth, the wife of Boaz, the grandmother of David, wasn't able to have kids. And Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, wasn't able to have kids for a long time. And so we see that there's a long line of women who were matriarchs of the faith, who were godly women who were unable to have kids. So Hannah couldn't have kids, and this, this messed with her self-worth. Ladies, I know there are some of you out there who have wanted kids for years and can't have them. And you feel like maybe God is cursing you, and that's not the case. We see that Hannah couldn't have kids in this period of time because God was doing something inside of her. And so she joined a long line of women who were matriarchs of the faith, who grew in their faith in this time, and wasn't able to have kids. And the last problem that she had at that time, the church, guys, was a mess. These two sons of Eli the priest, Hophni and Phinehas, they were scoundrels at the best. Probably the best thing you can say about them is they were scoundrels. Um, they were men who were abusing their position in the temple. They were the priests. They were the ones who represented God to the people and the people to God. And they were taking this, this position that they had and they were abusing it. They were using this for their own personal gain. So this was a mess. So even though she was a, emotionally down, even though her family life was a mess, even though the church was a mess, Hannah kept faith. She stayed solid in her faith. She felt like her problems kind of separated her from God. And she felt like the pastors, the priests in her church, her temple, were people that she couldn't respect. They were people that you couldn't trust. And she had a really long drive. It was like a 20-mile ride to get to the temple. Now, to us, you know, 20 miles, 20 minutes, not in that day. That was a long time of riding. But Scripture says every year they went to the temple. Every year they went and offered their sacrifices. She kept the faith, even though she had every reason in the world not to. Every year they made the trip to do the sacrifice. And so, guys, here's the biggest thing that I want us to understand today. She understood that faith goes even through hardship. She understood that faith continues even in hardship. Um, my pastor, when I was growing up, said faith that hasn't been tested is faith that can't be trusted. And uh, Gary Brothers says that. She understood that faith in the time of hardship is faith that's tested. It's faith that can be trusted. And so even through all this, guys, she kept the faith. She kept her relationship with God. In Job chapter 2, verse 10, we see that Job, his life fell apart. If you haven't read the story, go back and read the story of Job. It's an incredible story of perseverance through faith. 
And in Job chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? He understood that hardship kind of shapes us. Hardship makes us. So ladies, if you're there today and you're saying, man, pastor, I'm in such a rough position right now. My family life's a mess. Hopefully your husband doesn't have two wives, but you may say my family life's a mess right now. You may say there's things going on in my body that I don't understand, uh, sicknesses or uh, inability to have kids, and I just don't understand it. Guys, keep going. Hold on to that faith. Men, if you're in that situation, your family life's a mess, your work life's a mess, keep the faith. I love Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14. This is King Solomon writing at the end of his life, and he says, Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. God has a purpose in our pain. And I know that sounds like a poster you put on the wall, but it really is true. God has a purpose for what's going on in our lives. God can use these difficult times to grow us as Christians, to grow us as moms and dads, husbands and wives, students. God can use these times in our lives. And some of us understand this concept, some don't. Some of us are probably wish we could just skip Mother's Day altogether. Some of you ladies are just wishing that Mother's Day wasn't even on the calendar. Uh, maybe you've had a, a rough relationship with your mom. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost a parent. But guys, just understand that God is here in the midst of this pain. He cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares about you. Give your worries and cares to God because He cares. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. His yoke is his teaching. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. So moms, I want to encourage you that seasons change. Dads, husbands, sons, daughters, understand seasons change. Life will get better in time. So for Hannah, she understood that this time was going to get better. This time was going to change. So please understand, life gets better. So overcoming faith still encounters problems. And secondly, let's understand that overcoming faith prays heartfelt prayers. Overcoming faith drives us to God in prayer and helps us grow in that. Her hardship pushed her to heartfelt prayer. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 9. It says, after, Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you'll look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He'll be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. So we see here that her anguish, her hardship, pushed her into prayer. And not just any kind of prayer, heartfelt prayer. She was pouring out her heart to the Lord. And guys, some of us have this idea that when we pray, it has to just be flowery, pretty prayers. That's not what God wants. God wants us to pour out our hearts to him. It said that she was in deep anguish and sorrow and praying out of bitterness of heart. She was pouring out her thoughts, her feelings to the Lord. And God can handle it. Guys, God can handle our problems. 
She cried bitterly. She cried out in great anguish and sorrow. And hardships, guys, can push us closer to the Lord. I know some of the best times of prayer I've ever had in my life when I was in the darkest place. I was in the darkest times. And so, guys, sometimes God will use hardship to push us towards him. I know some of you are saying, great, pastor, thanks for bringing this up on Mother's Day of all days. But, guys, this is a woman who is a godly example to us. She's recorded in Scripture as a woman who did what God wanted. So please understand that this, is, this can be used. So this season that some of you are in is wonderful and great, and I thank God for that. Some of you are in very difficult seasons right now, and understand that these seasons can push us towards God. Men and women, husbands and wives, dads and moms, grandmas and grandpas. Guys, God can use times of hardship. And I know some of you are there right now. You're in a time of hardship. Allow God to use this to push you towards the Lord, not away from him. So it can push us. And Hannah's faith was proved by consistent prayer. It said that she went to the temple to pray. This wasn't a new thing for her. She was spending time in God's presence. So this wasn't just a one-time shot. You know, some of us pray one time, all right, we're done. But, and sometimes that's all it takes. But we see that this was something that she was consistently praying for. She was pouring out her heart to the Lord on a regular basis, pushing this out, saying, God, I need you to do something in my life. And some of you need to take some time and just say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. And many of us, many of us watching this right now, you're at home right now. You're in a relationship with God right now because a grandma or a grandpa prayed for you. A mom or dad prayed for you consistently. They still are. Many of us can trace our faith back to that. Some of you have families that you know that are serving God now because you prayed and prayed and prayed for them. So moms, don't ever underestimate the power of praying, the power of spending time in God's presence and allowing him to shape us and pouring out your heart for your kids, for your grandkids, for your husbands. Husbands, praying for your wives, for your kids. It was proved in consistent prayer. And last, Hannah experienced peace. When she was done praying, the priest came up and said, well, oh, okay, in that case, may God grant you what you want. And she had peace. It says that after that, she was no longer sad. She went and began to eat with her husband and her family because she was no longer sad. Hannah experienced peace after persevering. She went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's what? Peace. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So when we spend time in God's presence, he gives us this overcoming faith. He builds our faith to this overcoming faith, and then he gives us peace. It says it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. His peace will guard us and that's what Hannah experienced when she spent time pouring out her heart to God. He gave her peace. Now, does this mean the situations are always going to go away? No. Her situation was still exactly the same after she prayed, but she had peace. Some of us are going through situations in our lives right now. We say, God, I need peace. That comes through spending time in prayer. And then when we spend time in God's presence, he helps us have that faith. <laughs> there was a police recruit who was asked during an exam, what would you do if you had to arrest your mom? He said, I would call for backup. Some of us are a little nervous around our parents. We need that peace. Some of us are uncertain about what's going on in our lives. We need that peace. So I'll encourage you today, if you're in a situation where you say, Pastor, I need that overcoming faith. <clears throat> I need this faith that overcomes obstacles. I need this faith to know that everything's going to be okay. 
That comes through spending time with God in prayer. So understand that we still have problems even when we have overcoming faith. We still have issues in our lives. But when we go to prayer and we spend time, we persevere. We pray our felt prayers. And then lastly, overcoming faith, it celebrates God's provision. And get this, guys. If you get anything else out of today, I, I pray that you get this. Hannah's time of testing became a time of celebration. Her testing, when it was finally over, became a time of celebration because she had a kid. Now, please understand, I'm not saying if you've been praying for a kid that God is going to give you one. I can't say that. I don't know. Only God knows what he's going to do. But I do know that seasons change. She was in a time of a season of testing, a season of hardship, and that season changed to a time of blessing. And guys, I do know this. Seasons don't last forever. I know sometimes in Nebraska it feels like wintertime lasts forever, some seasons, but seasons change. Seasons come and seasons go, and her time of testing became a time of celebration. God answered her prayer. Now, this doesn't always mean he's going to do exactly what we ask. I am so thankful that God doesn't always give us what we ask for. I'd have been dead a long time ago if God gave me everything I asked for. And I know many of you can say the same thing. You thank God for unanswered prayers. But her time of se- her season of testing was over. And guys, so here's the thing. If we allow God to do his work in our lives, seasons will change. These seasons of testing will not last forever. It goes on. And overcoming faith, trust God, trust that God has our best interests in mind. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open for you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You parents, if your kids ask for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, would you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, you notice here Jesus says, if you ask, you will receive. He didn't say you will receive what you ask for, but he said you'll receive. He doesn't ignore us when we pray. So, guys, we have to understand that God has our best interests in mind. So, if you're there today and you're watching, you're saying, man, I'm really in a time of testing. I'm really in a time of hardship. My family's in a mess. My job's in a mess. We're in this quarantine thing, and it's a mess. You know, I'm, I'm spending Mother's Day at home. I don't get to go eat. The mess is still here when I get done. We don't get to leave it at the restaurant. I know, guys, I know. But I'm saying this. God has our best interest in mind. He has his best interest in mind, and his best interest is always best for us. He's got his plan in mind, and his plan is always better than ours. So I understand the time, of, the time of testing will pass at some point. Now, sometimes we still have repercussions for what we do. We still have hardships because we make choices. But our time of testing will be over. It'll get better. And we understand that he has our best interest in mind. So we trust that God is doing what's best. And then overcoming faith praises God for his faithfulness. We see here in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, after Hannah has a baby, she does what she says. She takes him to the temple. She gives him to Eli. He becomes a prophet that changes the nation. And because he changed the nation of Israel, he changed the world. Her son, the son of this promise, was a mighty prophet who changed the nation of Israel. And she took him and she dedicated him at the temple, just like she said. And then, instead of going home in sorrow, she goes home in celebration and says, God has done exactly what he promised. She praised him for it. She thanked him for it. And so, guys, sometimes after the problems are over, we forget about God, don't we? I know I've counseled people who come in, Pastor, I'm having a crisis, and we pray. God answers a prayer. He takes them out of the crisis. And what do they do? They forget. I've done the same thing in my life. 
man, problems push me closer to the Lord. And then when the problem's over, sometimes I kind of forget that God is the one who brought me through. I start thinking that I did it. So we have to understand that when God answers prayer, we need to thank him for it. We need to celebrate that. We need to be people who praise him in the middle of the problem and after the problem is over. We need to spend time with him during the problem and after the problem is over. Remember his faithfulness. And here's the thing, guys. When we do that, when we thank God, when we thank him for all he's done, when we're in the middle of a crisis again, we remember that he's faithful. We remember that he did all these amazing things. And overcoming faith is passed down to our kids. Overcoming faith is passed down to our children and the next generation. We see that Hannah had a baby. He became a mighty prophet. She passed that faith on. And guys, we need to pass this faith on to our kids. Moms, dads, this is one of our most important jobs is passing the faith on to our kids, to on to our children. Grandparents, one of the most important things you can do is pass that faith on to the next generation. If you don't have children, you may be saying, Pastor, this doesn't apply to me. Of course it does. Because we all have kids in our lives, don't we? Unless you, well, unless you're social distancing right now. But most of us have kids in our lives, kids that watch us, neighbors, our kids' friends people from across the street, nephews and nieces. Guys, we all have people in our lives that we influence. We all influence children, and it's our job to pass that faith on through the way that we act, through the things that we do. We see that she was able to pass that verse down. She gave her kid to the Lord. So if you have children, pass this faith on. If you don't have children, pass the faith on to those around you, to those who come into your life on a regular basis. Make sure that we're passing this faith on, sharing this overcoming faith with the next generation. So guys, I want to pray this morning, and I know that some of you are in the middle of a, a storm. I mean, we're all kind of in one right now with the whole coronavirus, uh, with <laughs> trying to stay alive during this time. We're home a lot more. So guys, we understand that, that times are tough. But if you're in the middle of a crisis, I'm going to pray for you this morning, and I'm going to ask you to just reach out to the Lord and say, God, I need your help in this time. I need you to give me peace. If you're in the midst of a great time, that's amazing, and I'm so happy for you. I want you to pray for others who are in the midst of a hardship. And so some of you today, it's going to be a tough day. I know some of you are, remember your moms. We're going to pray that God brings back great memories of times with your mom. Uh, for those of you who are parents, we're going to pray this is a great day and you feel celebrated. Uh, so... And if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have that, that relationship with God that you were talking about. I don't have that relationship with God that, that helps me have this overcoming faith. I want to pray for you too. So before I pray for all the moms, I want to pray for anyone today who doesn't have a relationship with Christ. And you're here today and you say, you know, I want to start that. I want to have that relationship with God, an intimate relationship, a knowledge of Him. I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And all I ask is that you repeat this prayer with us right there at home, and God promises he will meet you. In Corinthians, he talks about the fact that when we pray this prayer, we, we ask God to forgive our sins. He says that he makes us a new creature, a new creation, a brand new person inside. And then he changes us as we go. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing love. And I pray that today you would come into my life, that you would make me this new creation that the Bible talks about. I admit that I've messed up, that I've made mistakes, and I apologize for that. So Lord, I ask that you come into my life today and make me new, that you'd cleanse me of all my sins and help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I pray for all the moms today, for all the dads, 
for all the students, for all the grandparents today who are in a difficult situation, who, like Hannah, are in the middle of a storm, whose home life may be messy, whose work life may be messy, whose health may be messy. God, I pray that you would come into the middle of that circumstance and bring your peace. Lord, help us to remember to be people who pray and bring our needs to you and that you give us that peace that we can't have any other way. God, I pray that you come in and change lives today. I pray that you bless moms today, bless families. Lord, help us to pass this faith on, this overcoming faith to the next generation. Help us to build it in our lives and to share it with those around us, whether it's with our kids, with our grandkids, with our neighbors, with our nieces, our nephews, people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, I'm going to have my wife come here in just a moment, and she's going to pray a prayer for all the moms, all the ladies, not just moms, but all the ladies. But before we do that, I want to remind you that tonight there will be no Bible study tonight. Uh, Mother's Day, we're asking everyone just to celebrate with their moms. Men, clean up the kitchen after this is over. Make your wives feel special. Even make the bed today. That'd be a great thing if you don't normally. But we also ask that you would continue to be faithful with your giving. I know we have to ask this every week, uh, but we still have bills here at the church, and our missionaries, like the Spain said, still need our support. The way that they stay on the field is through our giving. So I'm going to ask you to be faithful in your giving, uh, be faithful in what we do here in our community. We've been able to do some great things these last few weeks. Uh, helping people in need. So I'm going to ask you to keep being faithful in that as we do those things. You can give online on our website, lexag.org. Click that Donate tab up there at the top on the right-hand side, and it'll take you to our giving page. It's secure. You can mail things in here to the church office. You can drop them by. We'll come out and pick them up from you. Uh, we ask that you do that. Just keep being faithful. So I'm going to ask my wife Amy to come. She's going to pray, and then we'll have one more worship song to close out. Thank you for joining with us today. Happy Mother's Day. Hope this is the best one you've had in a long time, even though it's a strange one at home. See you next week.